0: Welcome to Perspectives, a series by Splunk of executive takes for leaders, by leaders, on a range of security and technology topics. Today, we're here at the World Economic Forum headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland, for their annual cybersecurity meeting. My name is Kirsty Payne, and I work for Splunk as a field CTO for the EMEA region. And I'm delighted to be joined today by two Splunk colleagues, Petra Jenner, General Manager for EMEA, and Jason Lee, our global CISO.
1: Thanks for joining me today. Great to be here, thank you. Yeah, It's
0: a pleasure to be here, it was so much fun. Yeah, it's a great event. We'll start with why are we here at all at the World
1: Economic Forum, Petra? Why is it so important that Splunk is involved in these initiatives? I think it's important as Splunk to build uh, public-private partnerships. And I think the World Economic Forum is a great platform to exchange the latest trends, um, developments, and also to initiate um, you know, certain strategies or to work on topics which we won't be able to work on normally across multiple industries, across different stakeholders. And I think that's the reason why we have decided to engage with the World Economic Forum and we see great benefit in doing so. Jason, it, it's your first time here,
2: right? Yeah, no, this is my first time. It's it's fantastic. Uh, this is the cybersecurity forum, so there's CISOs from around the world. It's so exciting. One of the things that we talk about as CISOs is building these personal relationships and building trust within the community. And this is just such a great opportunity because of the breadth from. Uh, individuals from Sao Paulo to all over the, all over the world. It's been fantastic. So uh, great first time for me so far.
0: There's a reason it's called the World Economic Forum, right? Yeah. To be global, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fantastic. So the conference this year, there were three main themes, and the first one was building cyber resilience, which I know is important to Splunk at our heart. Jason, can you speak to some of your key takeaways around that theme for this conference?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, it was actually one of the sessions I was able to present in was talking about digital resilience. And one of the kind of key themes that we've talked about at the World Economic Forum and that Petra just talked about was this public-private sort of coordination. And so when I think of resilience, I like to talk about is how quickly can a company respond or an organization respond to like a, an incident essentially. And one of the things that came up was we have so much room for improvement around how we do communications and get information out. And so one of the kind of big things that popped up to me was that essentially it takes um, this personal relationship with everybody to build and to be able to communicate quickly. And one of the, we were talking about like this thing around what are the blockers and what are the incentives to making this quicker. Because when you think of a major incident that happens, the whole team that's at that company that's going through the incident is has this tunnel vision around what's going on in the incident and trying to figure out what are all the details and then get ready to disclose it publicly. Now, in a resilient world, you have to be able to respond even quicker. There's all these other companies and communities that want to actually find out before they actually know all the answers is the funny part. And so we were thinking about what are the obstacles to being able to provide that transparency? And and I found it was, it was interesting. There was regulatory uh, limitations, liability, you know, that's a hot topic for CISOs right now is, is what is the liability? Um, and then the other one was just really how quickly that somebody can um, be able to know who to communicate to. And it's, one of the interesting parts is we're very siloed by sector. So the CISOs will be like, I've got this FS ISAC for financial services. I've got an energy ISAC. But lo and behold, they don't talk to each other and adversaries don't care what sector you're in usually. So that was kind of an interesting thing.
0: Yeah, I heard that paraphrase this week as um, as time of crisis is not the time to exchange your business card, right? And so build your community Sorry. now, right? <laughs> That's right? Get that base in. But it's interesting it's not just cross-sector, it's also cross-borders. And we've spoken at the conference about navigating the cyber frontiers and working across borders. Petra, as a, a manager of EMEA and with a truly global perspective as our company, what can you speak to about that kind of international
1: cooperation aspect? I think the international cooperation and collaboration is still in the early days, right? You could see that some of the actors are not yet on the table or don't have their seat at the table and that's also something everyone said loud and clear that we became closer but they are very small entities around the world who really serve all parts of the world mm. right and that's part of the friction right and um, it's something which could expose even more and uh, you know with the geopolitical environment we are in This is, of course, something, you know, we need to have, you know, like the forum, for example, to start building bridges between different economies, different countries, Mm -hmm. politicians, public-private partnerships. I think that's more than ever needed because I think uh, I have heard today a very interesting phrase like it's an avalanche, you know, coming and it's Mm -hmm. one industry and one country is attacked the likelihood that this industry and you know will be attacked in other parts of the world is very high. So, from that perspective, we have to have these global partnerships, which are still in the making. There is a lot of work ahead of us, and I think that's also where I believe the role of the World Economic Forum plays an essential part to bring even further people together to discuss it, right? The appetite is big. The execution is still
2: poor. And that's the you brought up a great point there. When when you think about resilience, we usually think about our own company, but it's the resilience of our ecosystem, the resilience of all the companies. I I remember that avalanche one. And it's like, (laughs) if you don't share that information out quickly, the adversary is going to go somewhere
1: else and try it. Exactly. I like that I like that uh, you know example a lot because it it really shows it's getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. if you don't share right so I think we need to build the trust among different countries and industries to really share more uh, frequently and open in case of an attack and to prevent uh, from further fraud mm-hmm.
0: Trust is crucial to strengthening that global cooperation. And that's been a common theme throughout this conference. I think I've heard the word trust more in the last two days. (laughs) This
1: This is really I was surprised, you know. When I came here, I'm not a cyber expert as you are, right? So I thought by myself, I hope I will understand what they are talking about. But the reality is these are true fundamental leadership issues, right? So I'm more representing a little bit the other part, trying to understand what are the threats and help to you know support our customers. But what I've learned is it's about building trust is the key essence I take away from this conference that is more than ever needed and to have platforms, trustworthy platforms, trustworthy mm-hmm. relationships to act fast, right? And you said it, it's so important to act fast, right? And I think that's what I've taken away as well. Mm -hmm. Speed is an absolute important element of, you know, combating uh, the crime. And uh, I think I felt this conference was really good to surface that in essence, every company I have spoken to, every company in whatever country struggle with the same topics. Mm -hmm. So I think in essence, the the challenges are equal. It's just now to get the people closer together that we really build a joint understanding on how we can combat these threats coming our way. I, I, I double down on that. I mean,
2: I'm very connected on the US side, and we commiserate, talk to each other about all these issues. I come over here, it's it's no different. We all have the same problems and we're not communicating to each other. Uh, the other thing uh, you mentioned about the building the trust, uh, one of the stats that came up was you know, we build these CISO to CISO communications, and the average lifespan of a CISO is 18 months in a role. How do you keep that trust relationship going if people are constantly changing? And then you kind of look to why are people changing the roles so often? I mean, clearly stress and uh, just the pressure, but uh, it's definitely, there's a lot of interesting challenges
1: that have been surfaced here. But one thing you said, you know, which triggered something interesting with me, I've heard about the stress element and it's not only the 18 months, uh, you know, average tenure in an organization, which I find very frustrating. Um, But the one thing I have heard is that the roles which are impacted from burnout the most on the sea level are actually CISOs. Mm -hmm. So I think that even underpins that also that's a bit more my, you know, representing the other sea levels, right, in an organization that we need to pay more attention to the great work the CISOs are doing and elevate the roles of the CISOs and give them their seat at the table and support them more. Because once there is an attack, then, you know, the crisis is there and they have to handle all the crisis. So we better make sure they feel treated well and they are in good shape, right? Right. So it's it's something which I was very much surprised um, to learn about the lack of visibility and understanding, and I would speak more for the EMEA audience right now, that I feel the CISO level is still not as, let's say, highly integrated into the C-suite of organizations as they should be. And I think that's something we need to um, lobby and echo more and also advise our customers, you know, even further. I think there's something missing here. Yeah, that support and love our
0: CISOs, right? Because they do a fantastic job, not just sucking up to you right now, Jason, but they do, you know, and there's very little reward. Yeah. You just hear when things go wrong and helping them right. support, elevate, and explain why they're valuable, not just a cost center, all of these different aspects. Mm-hmm. So constant pressure.
2: I like to say uh, before I was a CISO, I had no gray hair, lots more hair on top. <laughs> you know, things change.
0: <laughs> it's a tough job, but no comment on your appearance then. It's all right. So um, it's been a really interesting conference with a range of topics covered. We haven't mentioned AI yet. Have you heard much about AI at this conference? What have been your takeaways on the topic?
2: Yeah, no, uh, AI has been talked a lot about, and one of the things that we see is <laughs> most of it's around the adversarial side of it. And uh, I'm 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 pretty much a eternal optimist and. I really think that there is much more opportunity on the positive benefits of it on that side. However, uh, there was one good explanation that I heard from somebody in one of the conversations was, is we shouldn't be worried about the killer AI in the future because right now there's, AI is like a teenager, looks like an adult, but in the head's not all mature yet. And that's actually a pretty, dangerous position with the AI of of how we want to use it. And we we actually want to use it for so many important things. And there's some safeguards that are missing. And so like one of the things that uh, product security is near and dear to my heart is when you use Copilot. So you're using, you're bringing in this code from an AI. Does it actually think in a model of safe by design, where it's, I'll make sure that this code that comes in has no vulnerabilities that's not a safeguard that's in there right now. So it's pretty incredible that the more and more the co-pilot and everything starting to come in of these technologies and development, there still needs to be these safeguards in. So it was a pretty interesting uh, statement there.
1: I was actually surprised that I felt it was less of a theme and topic in discussions than I thought. It was actually, I think the CISOs I've met here They clearly have their perspective on how to leverage and use AI as part of their day-to-day work. Their bigger concern was that it became such a fashion to talk about it that now all of a sudden they are confronted with, oh, we can probably reduce our security spendings and can do this and can let the work be done by AI, right? So that's a little bit like, It feels like some CEOs are very addicted to this, you know, generative AI, especially, Hmm. and they feel this could help to reduce IT costs or, you know, security costs, right? And that seems to be more something where the CISOs asked us and, you know, me specifically, is there anything we can do to educate our C-suite that AI is good and it will help us gaining time to do some more prevention work that we are probably not able to do today and we can automate certain processes but it won't substitute the investment in security as we have it today. So that was a little bit a kind of an interesting theme I had especially during dinner last night so that was quite interesting.
0: Yeah I've heard at least one CISO say they worry more about XP than AI just because of all the That's legacy right. they've got going on. <laughs> and I think that reality is really important, actually, to make sure we we are being realistic about the challenges and the opportunities that it right, has.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So before I let you go, and we have to wrap up soon because I know there's fondue by the lake and there's CERN to visit as well, but before I let you go, I wondered if we could just get one key takeaway or highlight from you from the whole conference overall. Why would people come to this? What did you take away from these fantastic two days that we've had at the World Economic Forum?
2: Yeah, I think the... The main point, and I've heard the word said so many times, is trust and building the relationships and the being able to uh, think through, um, I think it was uh, um, the, the CEO of the World Economic Forum was actually saying that uh, as as executives, you spend so much time on operational work and you don't spend very much time on strategic thinking. And I think... One of the fun things for being my first time here is we're able to, we're afforded time to think about strategically about security because we're always naturally in this crisis mode or reactive mode. And to be able to carve out a little bit of time with these fantastic leaders from all over the world is is just something that we don't naturally
1: do. Uh, and, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, I think it's about building community in order to be able to trust. And I think the the CISOs being here today and yesterday, they felt really safe to exchange and opened up and you could see that this is a great um, event to do this. Right. So I think that's for me, the biggest event. So we are in the trust industry, right? We. We bring trust to our organizations. We secure our organizations through trust, but also through zero trust uh, systems, right? Mm-hmm. As as such, right, I think um, for me, the biggest takeaway is it is a trust business. And this means connecting people, even in a more digital and connected world, I think, um, to avoid distraction uh, from from the people, right? So I think they need, we need to constantly, you know, be present at these type of events, because I think that helps to also learn from each other and build the trust um, to jointly combat, you know, these challenges ahead of us. And um, I also learned that cyber CISOs especially, require more attention from the c suite and it's our all effort to make that uh, more visible in the organizations. So fantastic couple of takeaways and mm-hmm. your fondue is well earned,
0: I think, after those. <laughs> so unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. And just to say thank you again for your time and insights, but also thank you to the World Economic Forum for an excellent event on the ever important topic of cybersecurity. Thanks for listening and we'll see you at Davos.
2: Be sure to subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're currently using. If you're listening and you wanna watch the show, check out YouTube. And if you're watching, but you'd prefer to listen, check out the Perspectives podcasts wherever you find your podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, you should also check out the Security Detail podcast by Audra Streetman and Kirsty Payne. They explore cyber threats across a variety of industries with some of the most trusted names in cybersecurity. And don't forget to check out splunk.com forward slash perspectives for blogs featuring the latest executive takes on today's security and technology topics by leaders and for leaders. Thanks for listening.